Hello, everyone. This is the ninth episode in the Immunology 101 series. I am Jatin Sharma, your host at Antibodies. And joining me today is Dara from University of Paris, Seclay in Paris. Hello. And Natalie from City of Hope Research Center in Duarte, California. Hello. How are you guys doing today? Life is good, man. How about you? I just got my second dose like three hours ago of Pfizer. Ah, so you're going to be just passing out in the middle of the episode? Uh, <laughs> I <like> hope that? <laughs> not. <laughs> okay. Last episode, we, we learned about the early events in the process of T-cell development. So let's do a little bit more of that, but and finish this series about T-cell development. Uh, Nelly, can you lead the discussion today? In the last episode, we learned about the early events in the process of T-cell development. But before we proceed to further steps in this process, let's review what we've learned so far. Uncommitted white blood cell progenitors enter the thymus from the bone marrow, and they also depend on notch signaling to commit to becoming a thymocyte. The first stage of development in thymocytes is the double negative, or what we call the DN stage, where these T-cells express neither CD4 nor CD8. You can further divide up this stage into DN1, 2, 3, and 4. At the DN4 stage, the thymocytes have lost the stem cell marker C-kit and also CD25 and CD44. They rapidly proliferate and rearrange their beta chain of the TCR and have their beta chain associated with a surrogate alpha chain so they can test out their, well, I mean, semi-functional TCR. After that, these cells then move to the double positive stage, where they express both CD4 and CD8. They stop proliferating at this stage and begin rearranging their alpha chain. Now we're moving into the cortical region of the thymus where we're gonna go through positive selection. Here, only those thymocytes that have successfully rearranged their TCR and can recognize the host MHC protein complexes will survive. About 95% of thymocytes die at this stage. At this stage, they can either become a single positive CD4 or a single positive CD8 thymocyte. This is then followed by negative selection, where the thymocytes that interact too strongly with the self-peptide MHC complexes will die by apoptosis so that any chance of re auto-reactivity can be avoided. So that was the review. And with that out of the way, let's get deeper into T-cell development. Jatin, in the last episode, we learned about negative selection and how it helps in eliminating auto-reactive T-cells. Can you elaborate more about this process? Sure. In the last episode, Dara told us about this magical enzyme called AIR, or spelled A-I-R-E, which is expressed on the medullary thymic epithelial cells. Just to rehash here, I call it magical because it almost makes a cell feel like a god, like a stem cell in some aspect. What AIR does it, it acts on the repressive marks on the chromatin and allows for these otherwise inaccessible regions to be accessed by RNA polymerases. So these cells can express about everything the genome encodes for. In this way, the mtex assure that they're able to screen the single positive thymocytes for all positive self-antigens, especially those that are not expressed in the thymus. For example, insulin that is solely produced in the beta cells of the pancreas. 
air is not the only enzyme that helps the cell become a god <laughs> but if you have to rem- remember one name let it be air and not only mtex or the medullary thymic epithelial cells even dendritic cells and b cells can also help in negative selection does that mean that dcs and b cells also express air uh dcs and b cells they don't uh, express a lot of air however they can acquire the antigens from the mtex in different ways they can either capture the peptide mhc complexes from the mtex surface like grabbing it grabbing it from the cell membrane and they can display it on their own surface or this is getting a little dark but they can phagocytose dead mtex and display these self antigens in that way so these mtex are useful even after they die with a lot of sacrifice for the body <laughs> together all three of these cell types help in negative selection by inducing apoptosis in these autoreactive thymocytes wow that's that's pretty cool is if apoptosis the only mechanism through which these cells eliminate autoreactivity there are actually other ways apart from inducing apoptosis like first inducing cell growth arrest then there is energy which is spelled like energy from e but this one is spelled with a like energetic compared to energetic which is the part with energy but yeah energy means the cells are put into an inactive state in some cases the thymocyte can be given another chance to edit their tcr alpha gene and show that they can be a very good boy <laughs> by not chewing on the host self antigens anymore who's a good boy that non reactive thymocyte is a good boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are very good boys <laughs> so some of these auto reactive thymocytes can even get a specific job description that we'll talk about later in the episode Meanwhile, I have a question for you guys. Um if the thymus is removing all the thymocytes that don't react to self MHC and also all the thymocytes that react too strongly to the self MHC peptide, how is it maintaining this fine balance? It seems too impractical in my opinion. Uh, can you tell me how do we know about this selection process? Well, all right, but a podcast is an inconvenient medium to discuss scientific experiments, which is kind of our whole job. But anyway, I will try my best to explain this one uh that somewhat confirmed the affinity model of selection. So, you can look up a paper by Kristen Hogquist, who is an American immunologist and currently a professor at University of Minnesota, and her colleagues performed this very elegant experiment. They took advantage of a fetal fetal thymic organ culture where you can culture the thymus in vitro and study it a little bit more easily. And they also used something called a TAP1 knockout mouse. So TAP1 is a protein that helps in loading those self peptides onto the MHC class 1 before putting it on the surface of the cell. Without TAP1, the MHC class 1 molecule cannot be loaded with peptide. Hence can't be stabilized and are unable to stay on the surface of the cell. Uh in this mouse model uh you can study how important the MHC class 1 peptide complex is important for any process. So in this case for the positive and uh negative selection. Uh they also made these mice produce an OTI transgenic TCR. So this is a very very specific type of T cell receptor that recognizes peptides off of chicken ovalbumin when presented by class 1 MHC molecules. So with all these tools this is what they did. 
they checked to see that if those TAP1 knockout mice would allow that OT1 thymocyte to survive in the thymic cortex. They found that while OT1 thymocytes survived in the TAP1 expressing mice, they didn't survive in the TAP1 deficient mice. So all that means is that the MHC class 1 molecule had some role in the survival of thymocytes. They then provided different peptides derived from the chicken ovalbumin to the thymus. These peptides had a very large range of affinity to that T-cell receptor, the OTI receptor, from very low to very high. These researchers then found the very low affinity and the very high affinity binding peptides caused the thymocytes to die, while the presentation of moderate affinity peptides allowed the thymocytes to uh, survive and mature. They also found that when very low affinity peptides were presented, the thymocytes would go to the DC or the thymic epithelial cell, but wouldn't engage and therefore would uh, be removed during positive selection as because they weren't getting survival signals from that dendritic cell. When the intermediate affinity peptides were presented, the thymocyte would engage for just long enough to get that survival signal from the DC or, or the CTAC or whatever. However, when the high affinity peptides were presented, they would engage for way too long and the DCs would give them a death signal. So in other words, those dendritic cells are getting super creeped out when they see a thymocyte who would just not leave them alone. And so they give them a death sentence. Hey, Natalie. How do the DCs and the thymic epithelial cells decide how much affinity they need for positive and negative selection? Well, there are many signaling molecules that are involved here, um, and those are the ones that decide the threshold for positive and negative selection. Uh, but keep in mind, this is still an area of active research. Wow. Now that we have talked about the selection process, which was quite elaborate, I also want to know how does a thymocyte decide whether it wants to be a CD4 positive T cell or a CD8 positive T cell later on in life? Okay, I can answer that. So what you are referring to right there is called the lineage commitment. And lineage commitment is when you're a freshman, for example, and you've been undecided for a while which major you want to go for. And there are two big majors that the positively selected double positive thymocytes can choose, whether to join the CD8 positive cytotoxic T-cell lineage or the CD4 positive helper T-cell lineage. And once you pick your major, you have a huge load of coursework specific to that major waiting for you. In this case, it's the changes in genomic organization and gene expression that will result in the silencing of one co-receptor, so either CD4 or CD8, and as well as the expression of genes associated with a specific lineage function. But have you ever wondered why one student chooses to commit to one major but not to the others? So we need to propose a model to ex explain why they decided to pick one major or the lineage commitment. There are several models actually that have been proposed to explain the lineage commitment the early studies with TCR transgenic mice showed that affinity for the MHC class 1 versus MHC class 2 preference dictated the CD8 positive versus CD4 positive fate. So basically, it's how strongly you feel about the major that drives you that drives your decision. So now let's propose two models to explain this. The first model is the instructive model. In this model, T 
TCR and CD4 or TCR and CD8 co-engagement generates a unique signal that directly initiates distinct developmental programs. For example, if a thymocyte randomly generated a TCR with an affinity for MHC class 1, the TCR and CD8 would bind to an MHC class 1 together and then generate a signal that specifically initiated a program that silenced the CD the CD4 expression and induced expression of genes specific for specific for cytotoxic T cell lineage function. Likewise, the TCR CD4 co-engagement would generate a unique signal that initiated CD8 silencing and the helper T cell developmental program. Back to an undecided freshman. So if they have developed an interest for a particular subject, they will simply shut off the other subjects and only study for that particular subject that they like, making them a suitable candidate for just one major. So that's how I felt most of the subject in my first semester of college, actually. <laughs> Because you only focused on one subject? Yeah. <laughs> very, oh, that's very so sad. sad. So sad. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from your tragic academic history, can you tell us more about uh, the second model? So for the second model, which is called the uh, stochastic model, a positively selected thymocyte randomly deregulates CD4 or CD8. Only those cells that express the correct co-receptor, the ones that can co-engage MSC with the TCR, generate a TCR signal strongly enough to survive to mature. So these freshmen randomly, randomly strike off random majors and are left with some majors that could match. In this model, the TCR, CD4, and TCR, CD8 co-engagement does not necessarily generate distinct signals. Unfortunately, studies that follow the consequences of such mismatches confounded researchers by providing evidence in support of both models. So clearly, they were too simplistic. Further experiments challenged some of the assumptions on which these early efforts were based and indicated that the strength and duration of the T-cell receptor called receptor signal experienced by a thymocyte play a more important role in indicating cell fate than its specific city for MHC class 1 or class 2. In fact, thymocytes whose TCR had a known preference for MHC class 2 could be cursed into the CD8 T-cell simply by weakening the CD4 or class 2 interaction, such as by mutating the kinesis downstream of the TCR signaling so that they signal more or less effectively. By inhibiting this TCR signaling, investigators could cause the cells that normally commit to CD4 lineage to become CD8 cells. And they were consistent with the observation that the intracellular tail of the CD4 interacts more effectively with tyrosine kinase LCK than the intracellular um, tail of CD8. It's like having a, a good teacher, you know, then if you're, if you're interacting more with someone you really like, Maybe you thought you liked one major, but really you like another. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's so interesting. I mean, the affinity of the TCR interaction not only drives positive and negative selection process, but also the lineage of the developing thymocyte. I have a question. Are there any transcription factors involved in lineage commitment? Yeah, I can answer that. A transcription factors that specifically regulate development to the CD4 and CD8 lineage have recently been identified. 
at present thpok spelled t h p o k and runx3 spelled r u n x3 are taking center stage as transcriptional factors required for cd4 and cd8 commitment respectively although others are also to play a role both thpok and runx3 act at least in part by suppressing genes involved in the differentiation to the other lineage thpok inhibits expression of genes that regulate cd8 differentiation including runx3 and runx3 inhibits expression of cd4 itself as well as thpok so there is a cross regulation this is just the beginning of our understanding of the transcriptional networks that regulate cd4 and cd8 development programs uh, likely to play a role to are mr uh, mirnas or micrornas some have already been implicated in cd8 positive t cell differentiations and there's clearly more to come and uh, yeah natalie is our expert in micrornas <laughs> i have very little knowledge on micrornas <laughs> actually our group is putting out a review on micrornas and cd4 you know different different uh, differentiation so like <laughs> Don't worry, we've got something in the pipes for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. we got an active researcher right here working on this exact stuff. <laughs> yeah, literally. So uh, anyway, I have another question. So are you telling me that double positives can only commit to one of the two majors, CD4 or CD8? What about the other majors? Uh, small small populations of double, thymo- double positive thymocytes can also commit to the other T cell types, including the very obscure NK T cell, which includes mature cells that express only CD4 and cells that have lost both CD4 and CD8. So that is, they they have a set of natural killer cells that will not process CD4 8, which is double negative. And they play a role in innate immunity and express a T cell receptor that includes an invariant TCR alpha chain. Uh, remember, we talked about this before, some thymocytes express, actually all thymocytes at some stage have to express this to test out their T-cell receptor. However, this type of NK cell will express that alpha chain forever in their mature stage. For this reason, NK T-cells are sometimes referred to as I NK T-cells, where I stands for invariant. Their invariant TCR interacts not with classical MHC, but with a related molecule, which is like an MHC used as a cup to hold peptides. This molecule is called CD1, which instead of presenting peptides, it's going to present glycolipids. There are also specific type of T cells found in mucosal tissues, like the gut or the reproductive tract. One such T cell type is the intraepithelial lymphocyte, lineage, which is mostly consists of CD8 positive T cells, but they also have features of innate immune cells. They, their job, well, mostly patrolling mucosal services. Another type of specific T cell is the regulatory T cell, which is a subset of the CD4 positive T cells. And we are going to discuss this subset later today. All three of these subpopulations are thought to develop from the double positive thymocytes in response to autoreactive high affinity T cell receptor interactions. The same interactions, in fact, that mediate negative selection. Isn't there also like a really small subset of CD8 Tregs? 
Yes, yes. So um, you're you're right. There is a, some set of CD8 positive T-Rex. I've had I've been to these general clubs where they don't want to accept the fact that these exist, but they do show up on flow. So either either they, this is an error or we just don't know what they do. And yeah, Dude, denial is not just a river in Egypt. That's <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Denial. <laughs> anyway, no wonder immunology is so complicated. One would think that negative selection is only being used to weed out autoreactive T cells, but it's actually a part of how some T uh, cells exist in the first place. So what determines whether a thymocyte undergo negative selection or an alternative developmental pathway remains a topic of much interest. Yeah. Now uh, now that these double positive thymocytes have differentiated into single positive T cells or an invariant NK T cells, uh, what happens to them later once they have differentiated to this point? Oh, well, once a thymocyte, that's your undecided freshman, successfully passes through selection and makes a lineage decision, which is to choose its major, it enters a quiescent state and leaves the thymus, which is when I guess you're becoming a sophomore. So what's next for these committed sophomores? Well, a set of chemokine signals will help those differentiated thymus sites to get out of the thymus. Natalie, what's a chemokine? Oh, well, a chemokine is a chemotactic cytokine. So keep this... I just feel like that's a lot of words, but uh, cytokine, of course, being like a, a protein mediator that is secreted by other cells and chemotactic, it's it's helping to make you move towards something. So they guide cell movement based on a concentration gradient and the presence of a particular chemokine receptor. So if you have dead cells that are releasing chemokines to help immune cells come and, and find the danger, uh, maybe the thymocyte will come and see what's going on over there. In the cast of thymocytes, the chemokines are helping them exit the thymus. So CCR7 is a chemokine receptor that allows the double positive thymocytes to travel from the cortex to the medulla. So that's getting like outer, outer of that inner layer. From then onwards, S1PR1, which is sphingosine 1-phosphate receptor 1, is the chemokine receptor that helps thymocytes egress from the thymus. Uh, these receptors work by a, a gradient of chemokines that are specific to these receptors. Yeah, exactly. However, we're going to skip some of those names, the chemokines, because they're really confusing. So mature T cells that exit the thymus are referred to as recent thymic immigrants. That's R-T-E-S. It is now clear that recent thymic immigrants are not as functionally mature as most naive T cells in the periphery. They don't proliferate or secrete cytokines as vigorously in response to T-cell receptor stimulation. Um, RTEs also can't be distinguished from the majority of peripheral naive T-cells because their levels of expression of several surface proteins are more similar to their immature thymocyte ancestors than their fully mature T-cell descendants. Investigators who are really interested in these RTEs um, are interested because they have uh, they are an important source of mature T cells in individuals who are lymphopenic. So those are people who have a reduced pool of functional lymphocytes. So that includes people who have undergone chemotherapy, uh, newborns, uh, once, you, once you get a little older. Although research is ongoing, studies suggest that the final maturation of these cells is influenced by their interactions with both MHC and non-MHC ligands in secondary lymphoid organs. 
But with Thymus Egress out of the conversation, I want to include some things about self-tolerance. Negative selection is only one such mechanism that prevents generation of autoreactive clones. Even though this process is well controlled, it's not perfect and some clones could escape negative selection. Therefore, the immune system also relies on other mechanisms for putting a break to the immune system when it needs. The generation of regulated T-cells, both in the thymus and the periphery, is one of this mechanism. Yes, you heard it right. T-Rex, spelled T-R-E-G-S, not to be confused with T-Rex, the dinosaur that they let free in every Jurassic Park movie. Uh, and Natalie, can you uh, talk a bit about these unique type of T-cells? Oh, of course. Uh, also, how come the T-Rex is in the Jurassic Park movie? He's a Cretaceous dinosaur. Anyway. I have no clue. I don't think they make much sense. Yeah, I guess it's just a movie. Uh, anyway, regulatory T-cells are a type of T-cells that, uh, in a broad sense, their main uh, function is just to inhibit other T-cell populations. Um, so you can think of T-regs as these patrolling cells that hunt for those autoreactive T-cells that escape negative selection. These cells are characterized by their surface expression of CD25, and that's the alpha chain of the IL-2 receptor, and the expression of its master transcription factor, FOXP3. FOXP3 is the soul of a Treg. That is what gives the Treg its identity. So the understanding of the biology of these cells has been the focus of, I mean, hundreds of labs around the world. I mean, I think Jatin and I both have worked on Tregs. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> For instance, it has been shown that during negative selection, an autoreactive T cell could become a Treg instead of dying of apoptosis. Until now, the molecular mechanism around this process uh, was not fully understood, but we know that signals like IL-2 and IL-15 are required for this process. And here for the audience, I, I would like to highlight that this is really a process for central tolerance. The thymus is trying to protect our body. It has evolved in such a way that eliminates those clones um, that the TCR recognizes autoantigens with high affinity. And if not, those clones with high affinity are reprogrammed to become Treg cells. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah, the, so thi cool. <laughs> the thymus lets some autoreactive T cells free in the form of Tregs, giving them a suppressive phenotype so that they can become enforcers of peace. Now, those Tregs that are generated in the thymus are called thymic Tregs or TTregs. However, a Treg can also be generated in a secondary lymphoid organ, and those are called peripheral Tregs or PTregs. Now, the generation of PTregs is dependent on the exposure of regular or conventional CD4 positive T cells to the antigen in the context of TGF beta, and that's a cytokine that's associated with suppressing of inflammation. PTregs are essential for maintaining tolerance to conventional back, uh, microbiota and tissue repair. Oh yeah, our body is full of friendly microbes, but all of those are technically foreign. So it's these Tregs that help provide them the safety, um, even though they are foreign organisms. Yeah, animal studies show that Treg inhibit development of autoimmune diseases, such as experimentally induced inflammatory bowel disease, experimental allergic encephalitis, and autoimmune diabetes. Hmm. Can we have a quick note on how Tregs accomplish uh, the inhibition of inflammation? Well, there are 
many ways in which a TRAG can inhibit inflammation and other T cells. So it can prevent APCs from presenting their antigens. It can directly kill other T cells by secreting anti-inflammatory cytokines or by depletion of IL-2 in the microenvironment, which is required for T cells to proliferate. So they're acting like a sponge, just kind of taking up all that IL-2 so nobody else gets it. But no matter what the mechanism is, uh, it's pretty hard to live without them. Literally, mutations in the gene of FOXP3 leads to a very profound autoimmune syndrome and systemic inflammation. In humans, this is called IPEX, and uh, the mouse model is called scurvy. So uh, mutating your FOXP3 is the fastest way to get autoimmunity. Wait, is it really the fastest way? Uh, no, I guess not. I, I just kind of made it up to hype how important FOXP3 is. But I mean, I hope I get my message across because uh, th- these guys, it's actually mostly men who have IPEX. But because oh. uh, uh, FOXP3 is an X-linked gene. But uh, oh. yeah, I hope I got my message across. Yeah, that, that oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, and it's also strange that a lot of uh, there's a set of diseases that are associated with X chromosomes, and some of these are more in men, and some of these are more in women. Oh, man, it's there's a lot of immune genes that are on the X chromosome. Yeah. So like all of your a lot of the immunodeficiencies are X linked, and then of course a lot of autoimmune diseases will fall for women more often yeah we, we were in the in the journal club with dr bing fei yu who had this nice paper about x chromosome inactivation and we we're talking about how y chromosome is just crap <laughs> it's got nothing <laughs> useful <laughs> that's so fun i just watched a talk by uh howard cheng about uh exist and how like sometimes exist in like the germinal center will let like hyper expression of some of these genes go and that's why mm-hmm. you know lupus uh happens yeah anyway for our audience just to know exist is a is a f- factor that allows that controls x uh, chromosome inactivation in cells yeah oh yeah back to sorry. you natalie <laughs> sorry we got on a tangent but it's pretty cool so you should definitely look it up uh that was a lot of information about thymocytes and t-cells and t-rex and all sorts of processes that these cells depend on how can we possibly summarize all of this let me help. In this second part of our T-cell development series, we've learned that positively selected double positive thymocytes have to decide whether to become helper CD4 positive or cytotoxic CD8 T-cells and to pick a major, basically. And this process is called lineage commitment, appears to depend on the continuity of the signals positively selected double positive thymocytes receive through their TCR. We've learned that Thymocytes whose TCR preferentially interacts with MHC class two generate a continuous signal that initiates a CD4 positive helper T cell developmental program. Thymocytes whose TCR preferentially interacts with MHC class one cannot generate a continuous signal because CD8 surface levels are downregulated in response to positive selection. The interruption in signaling followed by further stimulation initiate a CD8 developmental program. Positively selected thymocytes migrate from the thymic cortex to the thymic medulla via interactions with CCR7 chemokine receptor. And these cells in transition from the double positive to the single positive stage of development are negatively selected for tissue specific antigens in the medulla. 
And this is the second opportunity to remove autoreactive T cells from the developing repertoire. The thymic cortex and the thymic medulla carry out distinct functions in the thymids. Medullary epithelial cells, but not the cortical epithelial cells, express the transcription factor air, which is responsible for their unique capacity to express tissue-specific antigens. Fully mature thymocytes exit the thymus via interaction with the sphingosine 1 phosphate receptor or SR, S1PR and undergo final functional maturation in the peripheral lymphoid tissues. A small percentage of cells also develop within the thymus to other cell lineages, including NKT cells, IELs, and also regulatory T cells. And finally, regulatory T cells that develop in the thymus are called natural T-rects or the thymic T-rects. And some other T-rects that develop in the rest of the body, or as we call it, the periphery, are also called the peripheral T-rects. And both the thymic and peripheral T-rects play an important role in inhibiting autoimmune responses. We hope this episode was useful for everyone. Share it with your friends. Let them know how big of a sacrifice your double positive thymocytes are making just to keep you from becoming autoimmune. You owe it to the double positive thymocytes in your body. Think about their pain and suffering as you click that share button. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks a lot, Dara and Natalie, for this episode. To everyone in the audience, you can listen to our other 101 episodes, uh, research paper discussions, which we also call buddy shows, or we also have monologues, which are quick paper summaries within 15 minutes. On any of our any of your favorite podcasting platforms spotify apple music wherever you'd go for it if you want to check out other science communication endeavors that we go for please visit antibodies.org and be mesmerized by the antibody cinematic universe we'll see you all <laughs> in two weeks bye-bye. bye bye bye